0: Well, good morning, church family. Good morning. <laughs> the day has come. <laughs> yes. Yes. welcome to you all in the building, and welcome to those that may be viewing online as well. I just want to add a little bit of clarification to what Pastor Tom had to say about uh, how he asked me to preach. <laughs> I was in his office for a meeting, and uh, a couple of months ago, I suppose. And uh, he said, I'm thinking about asking five or six guys to preach this summer. What do you think of that idea? I said, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, I think it would be good if, if an elder could preach a sermon. What do you think about that? I said, yeah, that's a great idea. A <laughs> Little bit of an uncomfortable silence there as we looked at each other, and I said, I, I could do that. <laughs> so, here I am. <laughs> and I want to tell you, it has uh, stretched me, this whole process, and uh, I do want to thank Pastor Tom for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to preach. That sounds a little bit strange to me, but... Um, I do want to thank him for that opportunity because it was it has been a stretching uh, exercise for me. So and that's what we are to do in our walk with uh, Jesus is stretch and open ourselves to things that we may not be completely comfortable with. So let me open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak to these people, your people, Lord, who are here to worship you and praise you and hear a word from you, Father. So I pray that as I speak the words that I have prepared, Lord, that you would uh, speak through me me, that um, hearts would be touched and people would walk away with just a little bit of what you have for them in their lives, Lord that you would touch them through your word and they would be drawing closer to you in each day as they go through life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So my sermon topic is freedom. Freedom! So freedom is a word that can have a number of different meetings, depending on the context that it's used in, right? We've heard a lot about freedom over the last number of years, really. And um, freedom is a very important concept in our lives and in society. And we have had um, people giving their lives, fighting for freedom, so that we can live in a democratic country and have the freedom to be gathering in this place. So we are grateful to those who have fought those battles, those who are fighting those battles even right now, as uh, the war in Ukraine wages on. We think of those that have given their lives for their country and for freedom. But what I want to talk about today is from my perspective at least, I think for most Christians' perspective, is a deeper meaning to freedom. And that is the freedom that we find when we give our lives to Christ. And with freedom comes obedience. Obedience is a word that we don't hear a lot about in our daily lives and our social settings but obedience is crucial to our walk with Christ we need to remember that in today's society many people are living in spiritual slavery without even realizing it and are not experiencing the freedom that God desires for us I want to tell you a little bit of a story in opening going back in time to 1972. (laughs) I know, it's a long time ago. Some of you weren't even born then. (laughs) President Richard Nixon was president of the United States at the time and a very large scandal occurred when the inner circle of President Nixon's uh, regime, decided that it would be a good idea to break into the Democratic headquarters. And so they took on this task. Six guys in suits in the middle of the night, breaking into a large office building. What could go wrong? Well, turns out, a lot went wrong, they got caught. There were investigations and, and uh, all kinds of court cases, charges. One of the members of Nixon's inner circle was a guy named Charles Chuck Colson. He was a well-known attorney and a political operative, and he was a member of Nixon's inner inner circle and a special advisor to the president. He was known as the evil genius or the hatchet man. He masterminded ways to sabotage his opponents using every single means he could think of. Colson's involvement in Nixon's dirty tricks, June 1972, got him charged and convicted for obstruction of justice. In 1973, while awaiting trial and during the Watergate crisis, Colson went to visit a friend. His life was in turmoil. He didn't know which way to turn. Everything that he believed in was crumbling around him, and he's charged with a criminal offense. Chuck met met with his friend. His friend was Tom Phillips. And they spoke in great detail, and Tom was a Christian, and he shared his deep faith with him. Tom asked Chuck if he could pray with him that evening as they were winding up their evening, and, and Chuck said, no, I don't think so, I want to consider this more and um, appreciate what you've had to say, but no, I'm not ready to make any commitment. As Chuck left that driveway, he got about 100 yards out of the driveway, and all of a sudden his eyes were welling up with tears. He couldn't see. He cupped his hands over his face, pulled over, and just began sobbing. He forgot about his machismo, about pretenses, and about fears of being weak. Chuck prayed his first prayer. God, I don't know how to find you but I'm gonna try. I'm not much in the way that I am now, but somehow I want to give my life to you. Against lawyers advice, Colson pleaded guilty to his charges. And he later said it was a price I had to pay to complete the shedding of my old life so I can live free in my new life. Colson, as some of you may know, went on to become a very influential Christian. He devoted the rest of his life to spreading the gospel. He started a ministry called the Prison Fellowship Ministry, a ministry designed to bring Bible studies to prison inmates. He started a Christian radio show in the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Through deep personal trial that he was facing, and facing jail time, for what he had done in searching for power and control in a high government office, Chuck had a major turnaround. He realized his flawed view of what success would look like, And upon giving his life to Christ, he was literally set free. And remember that he was going to jail. God is in the business of changing lives. And I think many here can attest to that in your own life. The Apostle Paul is another prime example of a life transformed from one whose life was committed to persecuting Christians to become one of the greatest evangelists of his day, and in fact, history. So we ask ourselves from time to time, I think, how do Christians fit in this world? Are we supposed to fit? What is God's plan for us as we live out our lives in this world? Well, it's essential that we understand we can still depend on God's Word to guide us in our daily activities, in our viewpoints, and opinions on various issues that confront us in today's society. Jesus' instructions in the Bible still hold true today. We, faith, we may face many distractions in our daily life and it can become insidious. Sometimes we really don't know how we are being separated from our Lord and how, our, how we may be distancing ourselves from Him. We need to depend on Him through everything we do. We can always depend on God's Word to guide us in our viewpoints as we form our opinions on various issues in today's society. We must allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One commentary states, this most likely refers to the many kinds of freedom that come with salvation in Christ and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Freedom from condemnation, guilt, sin, death. The Old Covenant and blindness to the Gospel. As well as a freedom that gives us the access to the loving presence of God. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. So I made the statement earlier. I'll say it again. In today's society, many people are living in spiritual slavery without realizing it, are not experiencing, and are not experiencing the freedom that God desires for us. So I ask you, as I ask myself, are you experiencing true, fear, true, true freedom in your life? Do you experience freedom, then vacillate back to being bound up in our situation or some situation that you may be experiencing? And I will confess that I do that, and I have to catch myself. And sometimes I'm a little too far down the road of of, uh, condemning myself, not uh, confessing to Christ where I'm at, and um, just trying to operate on my own strength rather than the strength that we find through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to foster our relationships with Christ Sometimes we casually think that yes I'm I'm good with God And I might liken this to a married man speaking with his friend saying My wife and I have a great relationship The big question is are you certain your wife agrees just saying <laughs> so this demonstrates obviously that there are two parties in a relationship and it requires two-way communication so often i think when we pray even and i'm i'm guilty of this as well i'm uh, i'm pouring my heart out to god but i'm not necessarily listening for the answer that he wants to give me, and I have to check myself on that frequently. So our relationship with God is a two-way relationship. If we we want to have a relationship that is whole and meaningful, we need that two-way communication. We need to be listening, we need to uh, source the power of the Holy Spirit in our prayers and truly seek what God has for us. So we ask ourselves, have have I put God in his rightful place in my relationship with him? How do we come to a place of freedom in our life? In Christian terms, freedom and obedience are often used in concert with each other. In describing our relationship with the Lord how do we come to a place as freedom as a Christian in today's world Romans 519 says for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so that by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous the two greatest commands That Christ gave us found in Matthew 22 37 to 39 Jesus told his followers the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself now sometimes that's a bit of a stretch don't you think like sometimes when a neighbor is doing something that's kind of uh, irritating, we are to love that neighbor as we love ourselves. I don't know about you, but I sometimes have a struggle not putting myself first in, uh, in many situations. So that is a, a check that I have to work on uh, for myself, and I... I talk to the Lord frequently about that and confess that to him. But when he uses the word commandment, it's not an optional idea for us who desire to be all in following Christ. There's no in-between in our faith. You're either a true follower or you're not. Jesus taught a lot on character, he didn't give us a lot of don'ts, he gave us a lot of do's, and he gave us examples of the do's. Loving others as ourselves also includes exercising our civic duties, being good citizens and neighbors, using the freedoms and privileges God has given us for the benefit of our community and our world. It frees us to walk in a biblically balanced path in our life and not idolizing the different agendas that come our way. And I think you would agree with me that there are all kinds of different agendas that come our way through various forms of uh, communication, whether it be TV, uh, the internet, blogs, what-have-you, articles uh, just comes at us from every direction. I want to talk a little bit about the Beatitudes which are found in Matthew 5, 1-16. to Paul relates some instructions Jesus gave his disciples concerning life in the Kingdom. The Beatitudes are a new set of ideals that focus on love and humility rather than force and mastery. Touching on two of the qualities that Jesus cites in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek for they, for they shall inherit the earth. Now. I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. Meekness is not necessarily a quality that I have desired in my life. And I think that for those that know me, my my family, uh, my fellow elders, would probably agree with that statement. But... As I reviewed the material for this sermon, I thought, wow, this is for me, too. Like, I used to kind of glance over that. And, you know, that's for other people. These things aren't necessarily for, for everybody, but we should read them, I think, as though they are for everybody and that they apply to us. The dictionary says that uh, meek, Quiet, gentle, and easily imposed upon, submissive. Yeah, those are qualities I really didn't desire. But what does the Bible say about meekness? The meek are those that do not assert themselves over others in order to further their own agendas in their own strength but who nonetheless inherit the earth because they trust in God to direct the outcome of events. Now, that is powerful. And that really spoke to me. So I am now one who desires to be meek. And that's going to require some changes uh, within me and, you know, I'll take that to the Lord and we'll see how that goes. I'll depend on my family (laughs) and you to tell me how I'm doing there. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those that recognize that God is the ultimate source of real righteousness. They long for his righteous character to be evident in people's lives on this earth. They shall be satisfied by responding to his invitation to be in a relationship with him. Now you will see a uh, photo up there. This is uh, from our trip to Israel in 2019 that we... We're able to go on with a number of uh, friends. And this is taken on the Mount of Beatitudes. And in the background there you can see the Sea of Galilee. Um, this was quite a transformational trip for both Colleen and I as we uh, got to fellowship with friends and hear uh, a sermon every day um, on the area of, that we were visiting. And uh, just was a tremendous, uh, eye-opening tour, amazing spiritual journey. And um, I'll tell you, when I read the Bible, when, I, when we read the Bible now, it really brings things alive to us when you have been treading on the ground that Jesus and others before him and after him, Uh, treaded upon. It's It's an amazing spiritual experience. I want to focus in a little bit more on obedience. It is a value that Jesus calls us to and maybe the most difficult of the Gospel values to understand and appreciate. Particularly to people who don't know him yet. It seems to me that, um, as I think I mentioned earlier, that you don't hear much use of that word in, this, uh, in, this, in our society. It's kind of viewed, I think, by society as a negative. Like you should be able to do kind of whatever you want. And by the way, obedient to who? So, but it is key to our Christian faith. Obedience is key. The Beatitudes present a new set of ideals that focus on love and humility rather than force and mastery. I'll repeat that. Force and mastery would look like legalism. Legalism works from the outside in, and Jesus wants us to live from the inside out. He wants complete surrender to his authority. And it's required that we must base our decisions and actions on his word. If we're not nurturing our relationship with Jesus, we can easily get deceived and go off track by what we think the world offers us. What does the Bible say about obedience? Obedience is an essential part of the Christian faith. Philippians 2.8 says Jesus was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The definition for freedom in the dictionary appears to give us a complete freedom. But in natural fact, we know that if man is left alone to act in freedom, sin soon keep, creeps in and the risk of chaos in our lives and in society grows. Obedience, as defined in the dictionary, has a very authoritative feel to it. Someone is, comm- is in command and control over you. And it seems very restrictive. God designed us with a free will to make the decisions each man and woman feels best for him or her and those around him or her. But if we are left on to our own intelligence we see thousands of examples throughout history what the result is with no guidance on how we are to live And with no power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and ready to guide us, we are doomed for failure. The closer our relationship is with God, the more our lives will be aligned with His guidelines and the more we will experience freedom and fulfillment in our lives. We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We have the ability to access God through His Son, Jesus. What a privilege. Giving our life to Christ is the first step in building a personal relationship with Christ, but it's not the end. He desires us to grow in our relationships with Him, and add a richness to our lives that no human can give us. A desire to go deeper with Him over the course of our lifetime, serve Him in ways that grow the Kingdom of God, and produces fruit, as Galatians 5.22-25 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we need to ask ourselves, are we maturing in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus? If we examine our life against what the verse in Galatians says about the fruit in our lives, Where do I and you line up? No matter what your earthly age is, we need to ask ourselves and the Lord what is our spiritual age? And how can I grow in my relationship with Him? Are we maturing in our faith? Or have we stalled out? And that's a question we need to, that only we can answer when we, uh, when we ask ourselves, where are we at? There's a warning against apostasy. Those who have abandoned their faith in the, in the God of the covenant. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 says about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of god you need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their own powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, in summary, What does the Bible say about fitting into this world? Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Are we supposed to fit in? We are to be a Christ-like example to those we encounter by living out the two greatest commands that Jesus, Jesus gave us in Matthew 20, twenty-two, thirty-six to 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Walk in freedom through, through a biblically balanced life and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, I ask you to consider what it means to you in your faith walk to be obedient. And have the freedom in your life that God desires for us, for you, for me. Protect yourself from distractions that come along and focus on growing your relationship with Christ by making Jesus the primary focus in your life and be in the Word. Study your Bible Foster your relationship with Jesus. So that concludes my message, but I have two or three other requests. If there is anyone in this place Today, or even if you're at home and you have not accepted Jesus yet, I ask you to consider taking that step today. Before you leave this place, would you consider, if you feel the prompting of the Lord, would you consider? coming to the front. There are people who will pray with you. There are people who will hear your story and help you to the path where you can experience freedom in your life. Secondly, if there are people here who gave their life to Christ previously, whether it's a month ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, and you're not feeling that closeness to God, you're not feeling that freedom that He wants us to experience, if you're not feeling that in your life, I ask you to come forward today and someone will pray with you about that. And I'm going to ask you to be bold. I know that this isn't an easy thing to do. But I feel that if I didn't do it after the words that I've said to you, that I would be um, not being obedient and it it just wouldn't work for me. So appealing to you from that perspective. And then thirdly, if you just want prayer, if something's going on in your life and uh, you're feeling down about it, you're feeling that what you're facing is insurmountable, that it's just an uphill battle, and you feel like you're losing ground, then I ask you to come up for prayer. And as I said, there are people here who will pray with you, they will hear your story, they will walk alongside you. Um, We want to be a church that... Shows the love of Christ. We are a church that shows the love of Christ. And we want as many people as possible to feel that closeness to the Lord, to feel free, but yet be obedient to him out of your love for him. Your love for him will allow you to be obedient and through the power of the Holy Spirit once you commit to that and once you accept him as your Lord. So I would invite the uh, worship team to come up and play our last, um, last song. Tremendous worship today, I thought. And uh, as I said, please, uh, to those people that I've, um, that I've uh, reached out to, Would you come forward and uh, just make a difference in your life right now and begin that turn to becoming free, completely free, and obedient in what uh, what the Lord is prompting you to do right now? Let me just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your people, Lord. God, I thank you how you work through your word and how you work in people's lives, Lord God. Father, I pray right now that um, you would touch people's hearts, you would touch people's minds, Lord God, and that um, they would be drawn closer to you out of a desire to be free, And uh, find that through obedience through you, through their love for you and appreciation of of your son's great sacrifice. I pray these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.